Welcome back to Star Wars The Hybrid Podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about Vader Immortal, and there will be a spoiler warning in there once we are about to hit spoilers. Um, we're going to be talking about episodes one and two after I kind of go over a little bit on the series as a whole. Hi everyone, welcome back to another edition of Star Wars The Hybrid Podcast. Uh, in this episode, we're going to continue to delve into the history of Star Wars VR. Um, we are going to be looking today at Vader Immortal, which is, of course, the main title in Star Wars VR. Um, I'm going to be going into a lot of the story details. Um, I'm going to do that after I take a quick break so that I can warn you before there are spoilers. If you haven't seen uh, Vader Immortal, if you haven't played it before or seen other in-depth reviews or, um, you know, watched gameplay, then you may want to skip that part of the podcast when I get there so that you can experience it for yourself. It all just kind of depends how you like to experience games. Um, some people really don't care if they have spoilers or not. I personally you know, I don't like having spoilers when I play video games. Um, so, you know, if it was me in your position, I might choose to skip it once we get to that part of the podcast, but I will give you a warning before we get there. Um, before I go into kind of an in-depth discussion on the story, I wanted to talk about some of the components of the game um, that stand out to me, um, especially, you know, the ones that I think are relevant um, for where VR is headed next within the Star Wars universe. So basically, you know, I wanted to start out with a few um, tips that I have for playing Vader Immortal in VR. Um, you may already know, especially if you've played the game yourself, then you'll definitely know, Vader Immortal is technically split into three game titles, um, episodes one, two, and three. When this was originally coming out on um, Oculus Quest, they were releasing them in parts, uh, so that's why it's split up. So you will need to uh, buy all three episodes if you are, you know, if you don't already have the game um, to get the full story. I think it's nice that it was split into three episodes. And so my first kind of tip for you, if you're just starting out, is to um, play them all separately. So play episode one and then give yourself some time. Um, I took about a month in between uh, each episode so that I had something to look forward to. You know, that's personally my my style is I, I like to to kind of um, enjoy things over time. I'm not, you know, usually a huge uh, binge watcher um, unless I have to be. So, you know, I would say to spread them out. They really are, um, these are narrative uh, games. So if you're not used to VR gameplay, you know, this isn't like a big open world um, with hours and hours. You know, this is like all together, all three episodes, the narrative is about two hours long. And so there is a lot of replay value. Um, so it's not like you play it two hours long, two hours and, and that's it. And then, you know, you delete the game. Um, I've replayed each of the episodes um, many times because I love going back and getting to experience it again. In fact, I just did it again um, yesterday uh, to kind of prepare for this podcast. But, you know, it, it is only two hours of, of storytelling. So you don't want to just sit down and burn through it all at once. I would say go through the episodes one at a time and take advantage of um, what's called the dojo, which is... Uh, a, another component that they add aside from the main story where you can go and practice your skills with a lightsaber um, in the first episode you know it's just with a lightsaber and the second episode you get the um, the chance to use some force powers so those get added to the dojo and in the third episode you also get the ability um, to use a blaster and uh, 
even thermal detonators. So you get those weapons added in the third episode. So each of these dojos has um, between 30 and 50 um, training uh, segments that you get to go in and play. And there's three levels of mastery to each section. So, you know, you, you can... Um, you can sometimes, if it's an easy one, get all three uh, points the first time through, and other times you'll have to replay. So, um, you know, it can take quite a while to work your way through up to 50 uh, training segments trying to, you know, get uh, at least a two or three score on each one. And while you're doing that, you're also mastering the skills that you use in each uh, in each episode so that as you go back and replay it, you're having a better experience because, you know, you're doing a better job of completing the tasks that you're given. Because the thing about na- these narrative games is, you know, unfortunately, you can't affect the outcome at all. Like the outcome of the game is is the same no matter no matter what you do, um, and you know you only get a couple minutes of a task at one point. It's not like in a in a console game where you know you may have you know an hour where you're doing one little mission and then you know you come back to the story where kind of you know you get back on track for whatever the main storyline is. In, in this game, you're very much kept on track of what of what's happening. So you know one of the few things that you can do differently is like actually improving um, how you perform the tasks when you're set out to, you know, to get in a fight or something along those lines. And as the episodes progress and they add in force powers and different weapons, there's more variability for how you can do it. So, you know, taking the time to like do the dojo, master the skills before you progress in the story will, I think, make your experience even better. Now, the other tip I wanted to give is about how you actually engage with and play the game. So again, if you've played a lot of VR, you know, this is probably nothing surprising to you. But if you're new to VR like I was when I got this game, this was the first game that I had ever played in a like personal VR set because I played it as soon as I got the Oculus. Um, One thing that uh, is really important is how you have the, the kind of locomotion set up. So basically, the default is that you're teleporting around. You know, you point the trigger and you, you move to a certain place and you can, you know, move like a pretty big distance when you're um, in a point in the game when you are moving because at some points you'll be kind of locked in one place um, in the story and, you know, you'll be able to walk around your physical space but you won't be able to move through the world in the game. Um, But the other way to move around instead of the teleportation is to actually move smoothly, like you're really walking through the place. This gets some people motion sick um, because, you know, basically what gets people motion sick in VR is when you see that things around you are moving and you are not. So usually it's not the the things that get people sick aren't just like looking around um, those moments where you're watching stuff. It's when your your character is moving and you physically are not. Um, so that can get people sick. And that's why they have the deport, um, the default set to teleportation so that you're just kind of bouncing between locations. But for me, the teleportation really took me out of the gameplay. And especially with the Star Wars game, you know, I was really playing this because I wanted to be immersed in that universe and get to experience those locations and really feel like I was there. And the teleportation really took me out of it. So, you know, when I played around with the settings and found out that I could move smoothly through the world, that made all the difference for me to kind of stay engaged. Now, another tip that I have that kind of can help you a little bit with motion sickness, if that's a concern, and also for me really, um, you know, puts me into the world even more is I actually like 
move my legs and walk a little bit when my character is walking, even if I'm basically standing still. Um, and sometimes I'll kind of move forward a few steps and I'll move back a few steps. Um, it actually, I find, helps me to not get motion sick because you can kind of trick yourself into feeling like you're really walking through a space. Um, and it also just kind of, um, you know, adds to, to the, like the experience. Um, so that's one little tip that I have. The other tip that I have with this game, and, um, this may sound really stupid, but I, I found that it's made me enjoy the game even more is to talk in the game to the characters, because the weird thing about, um, about this is that, you know, unlike, um, a third person game on, on, on a console or even, you know, a first person action game on a console where you know they then cut back and you see a video with the characters interacting in this game you never get to talk because it's all 100% in the first person and they don't have you kind of like talking you know like and like a voice actor talking over you um, to say what you're saying so there's a lot of times where um, you know people are just kind of like looking at you and it's assumed that you're responding or your your droid that you have with you in the game um, who's voiced by Maya Rudolph and who's really funny um, will kind of speak up on your behalf but I have found that I enjoy the game more when I will like throw in my own comments to the other characters um, you know just like you you might you know by selecting text in uh in a game on xbox or playstation um doing it that way um for me it makes me feel a little bit more immersed and engaged in the gameplay um but that's just me and once you've played it more than once and you start to memorize um all of the you know the dialogue from it like now i i've played these episodes a lot of times i think i've played the episode the first episode like eight or nine times and then probably like six or seven for the second episode and the third one I've probably only played a four or five um so I I know most of what they're gonna say and so um you know it, it's like it feels natural even if I don't speak it out loud in my head I'm saying whatever my response would be to those characters um so I think that you know the thing with with this game like I said with Star Wars the reason why we've all been kind of waiting for this opportunity those of us who are major fans is because we want to feel like we're like part of this world and get to see what it would be like so you know I guess my my real tip is just to have fun and engage with it because the, the the system um for this kind of a game is not particularly engaging and what you have to kind of go off of is the immersiveness of the world and the the quality of the storytelling because the actual mechanics of it aren't going to put you in the in the middle of the story like you would be in a you know in a kind of video game that most of us are are used to now, before I take a break and go into the spoiler discussion, I do want to throw out just a few examples right from the first scene um, of the game around um, what uh, you can kind of expect for some of the connections to the main Star Wars universe. I'm not going to go through all of the Easter eggs in the game um, because, you know, a lot of other content creators have done that um, and that would take me a long time. But I did want to give a couple just quick examples. So right from the beginning of the first episode, you know, you start out in a ship um, which uh, is at another destination um, before you go to Mustafar, which of course is where the game takes place. The first location that you're at is actually the Ring of Khafrein from Rogue One, and I did not realize that on my first time playing the game or even my second time. It took me a bunch of, you know, attempts at the game before I realized that because it goes by so fast and, you know, you really jump into the story and you're looking around at 50 different things um, and, you know, I didn't even realize that it was the Ring of Khafrein, so that was really exciting. 
on the ship where you're where you're on board um you get a few minutes to kind of go around and poke around at different things and there are so many cool connections to other parts of star wars there's an artifact there from jedda so another uh connection to rogue one there are maps with a bunch of planets including nar Shaddaa, which you know connects um to the comics and other sources of of star wars content um you get stopped by one of the interdictor cruisers from um star wars rebels uh, that you know can pull you out of hyperspace and then as you're going into land you see the platform from secrets of the empire which of course is the void um VR game that you have to play in person, uh, which I discussed on the last episode of the podcast. So those are just like a couple examples of how much they've they've pulled in. The only thing I would say um, about this, which is kind of a criticism of this game and um, Oculus games in general, is that there's there's plenty of Easter eggs in terms of like seeing things from other places and having connections to other things, but there's not a lot of like hidden Easter eggs like you know, you walk around and explore a space and you find something because the the amount of space that you can explore is really limited. And um, even in places where there are like a lot of like boxes and crates or bookshelves, you know, I kept walking and searching, hoping that I would find a box that opened or like, you know, something interesting on a bookshelf. And there's really not like what you see is really what you get. The only time in the whole game where you can kind of explore and find little, um, you know, discover more things is when you're on your ship at the beginning of the very first episode. So that's a little disappointment, but I find that that's totally in keeping um, with uh, with other games for, for Oculus. Now, the last thing that I wanted to say before I get into the spoiler discussion um, is that basically a warning, which is if there are a couple things that play out in this game um, that have been playing out a lot in Star Wars storytelling that have gotten some people really upset. And I want to say that for me, this this story, this experience was like an A+. I loved it. Um, but for some people, I do think that they will be annoyed by this. So, and I, and I want to say that since um, Rise of Skywalker came out and this annoyance has grown in some people. I think that that makes it even more true for people who are playing the game from scratch now versus those who kind of played it earlier and who already kind of, you know, came to enjoy the story before this whole issue has boiled up with Rise of Skywalker. So basically, you know, in, in the story, and this isn't really a spoiler because you find all of this out within the first half of the first episode, um, you find out that you have a connection to a bloodline on Mustafar um, that Vader needs you, basically, to be able to open a temple that, that he's been trying to open. He needs someone from this bloodline. You also find out that you have latent force abilities. And um, again, all of this happens in the first half of the first episode, so that that's not really a, a spoiler at all. Um, but basically, if you really don't like the idea of everyone coming from bloodlines in Star Wars, or if you don't like um, the idea of like someone being able to quickly, you know, have um, some abilities in the force, then this game is probably going to bother you. And it probably won't bother you as much as a, a movie will because, you know, a video game is different. It has a smaller audience. It's not our main source of storytelling. Um, you know, it kind of has to um, accelerate something. So maybe you'll be more forgiving of a video game. Um, but definitely, you know, that kind of criticism of of the, the Star Wars sequel trilogy, I think applies to the story of the game um, as well. And again, for me, it's not a problem. Um, 
you know, I don't, I, I somewhat agree with those criticisms, um, but I also, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, and it certainly didn't bother me in the game. But I did want to throw that out as kind of a general story point. So anyway, I am going to take a quick break now to give you a chance to turn off the podcast if you don't want any spoilers. And then when I get back, I'm going to be going into the plots of episodes one and two. And then I'm going to finish this up and talk about the future of Star Wars VR on uh, Thursday's edition of the podcast. Okay, so now I want to jump in and talk about some of the big story points. I'm not going to go chronologically through um, episodes one and two because, like I said, there's been a lot of other people who have done that. And, of course, you can go play the games yourself if you have an Oculus or, you know, you can watch um, people kind of playing through them online as well and get a good sense of the story that way. Um, I really just wanted to talk about some of the big story beats and how I think that it can connect to other parts of the Star Wars universe. So as I mentioned, at the beginning of the story, you're basically um, pulled over by the Empire and you get dragged down to Mustafar into Vader's castle where you um, are tasked with Vader by help with helping him to um, basically unlock uh, a, a tomb um, deep underneath the fortress that contains um, something valuable to him. Now, uh, this is interesting to me because Vader's castle there on Mustafar, um, you know, I think my assumption has always been that Vader's castle is there because the Emperor wanted to kind of humiliate him and send him um, back to the planet where at least he thinks he killed Padme and where Obi-Wan defeated him in battle and Vader acquired all of his um, scars. So it would certainly be a humbling thing to get told by your new master that that's where you have to set up shop. Um, It's strange to me that underneath this castle, there's um, a whole, you know, additional castle um, that has um, kind of a a deep underground, uh, you know, set of secrets itself. especially when you find out what Vader's after. So basically what Vader is after is something called the Bright Star. And the idea that they go over in the story is that this is um, some kind of a crystal um, that basically held the life force of all of Mustafar in it. And when a former um, ruler of Mustafar, basically there's the the kind of one of the local um, races of aliens, and then there's also humans that that were coexisting there. So um, a human, um, because it always seems to be humans that that mess things up, a human um, ruler um, basically lost her spouse in a battle, and she wanted to try to bring him back from death. So she tried to harness the power of the Bright Star um, by creating um, an engine that would basically, um, you know, use it, channel its power to bring back life to her husband. Now, not surprisingly, this had disastrous consequences, and while her husband was not brought back to life, um, it did have the effect of destroying Mustafar and sucking a lot of the life out of it. Not all of the life, because we know that, you know, this alien species survives. They're kind of the ones that are guiding you through this. And um, there's other life forms um, on Mustafar. But for the most part, you know, it used to be a lush green planet, which they show you through kind of a vision that you get to experience when when the priestess um, is explaining this to you. And that's a really cool um, effect, how they're able to do that. Um, So it used to be a beautiful lush green planet. And now um, it's, you know, basically a hellscape, as the characters say. Um, so, uh, you know, it's to me really fascinating that Vader's there, you know, having sought immortality, um, he finds himself with his 
you know, his castle on that site. Now, of course, they don't go into any of that, but it makes me wonder, you know, is this just one of the, a, a coincidence that was convenient for storytelling? Um, or, you know, maybe, maybe Vader had more of a say in where his castle went and he chose it to try to um, explore this secret, or maybe the emperor sent him there with that purpose. I don't know, but it's definitely interesting and it really connects to, um, you know, to, to the idea that, that Vader, uh, is trying to find a way to save Padme. And now, um, we find out even long after her death is trying to find a way to bring her back. It also strongly connects to the original episode nine script for what was going to be Duel of the Fates with Colin Trevorrow. Um, if you've read that script, then you'll, um, know that, you know, a big part of that story was Kylo learning how to kind of suck the life out of someone, um, to steal that life force. We kind of see the Emperor do that in the, the episode nine, um, version that we actually got. Um, we see the Emperor, you know, pulling the life out of Kylo and Rey to bring himself back to full power. But it's really explored in Colin Trevorrow's version of Episode Nine, um, which again, you know, makes me think that if they had gone through with that story, um, then you know there would have been even more of a connection to this game. But in any case, um, that's what Vader is is trying to do. He's trying to um, reclaim the Bright Star. He already has the engine that will make it run and that will steal life force, and he is after the the Bright Star. And as I said before, only someone who's related um, to the the Lady Corvath, who was this this ruler, only someone who is a blood relative of hers and who is force sensitive um, can lead Vader into the the castle below his castle and um, and be able to help him with this journey. So um, that's how you end up getting recruited in the game. Now you are kind of uh, in a cell at the beginning of the game, then you escape, then you get caught again. So by the end of, of episode one, Vader has captured you again, and you are with him on this journey um, for the second episode, um, at least at the beginning. And then, you know, you kind of get separated again um, but you begin episode two with Vader down underneath deep underneath his castle um, where you are um, kind of entering um, Lady Corvath's uh, sanctum is what they call it and are, are down there searching for the bright star to give to Vader. Now, in episode one, you get to self-train with a lightsaber and a training droid. Um, and in episode two, you actually get to get some lessons from Vader, which is kind of interesting from a story point because, you know, you're on this journey with Vader out of obligation. Um, he's captured you twice and forced you to help him. Um, you know, presumably your character is not particularly fond of Vader or the Empire or eager to help them out. Um, but you, you're kind of being dragged along on this journey. So it's kind of interesting um, that you are getting trained by, you know, a Dark Lord of the Sith and are getting some lessons that he says you'll need to be able to complete the tasks that he has for you, um, as well as just to survive in kind of the, the dangerous um, path that you're walking. So you get some lessons from Vader, which is definitely um, fun. Um, you know, you get to learn to pick up and move things with the Force, um, including you know, throwing um, lava nymphs, as they're called, which are basically big um, bugs that spit lava, um, you get to learn to, you know, pick them up and throw them into the walls or into each other to defend yourself. Um, and as you're learning all of this, um, what kind of pauses your journey and your lessons is that um, there's a big beast. I'm not sure what it's called. I'm sure that it's there on, on Wikipedia if you want to look it up. It looks like a rancor, but with um, kind of 
four um, arms and two legs instead of just two arms. Um, this thing crawls down and attacks Vader, um, which means that you escape. Now, the the other way that you're able to survive the fall and the other person who aids you in this escape is um, someone who was originally known as the Black Bishop, who there was a lot of speculation after um, the first episode that he was um, Snoke in an earlier time. Um, he definitely looks like Snoke and he sounds kind of like Snoke. You don't get to see his face. It's it's draped in a cloth. Um, but you can see the outline of his face and definitely you can see the resemblance clearly to, to Snoke's um, identity um, or, or profile rather. Um, I, now, of course, we don't know who Snoke is uh, having, you know, seen... Um, Rise of Skywalker and learned that he was being cloned. We still don't know who he was being cloned from. Um, and so it's possible that Snoke could still be anyone. He could still be Darth Plagueis. He could still be this character, the Black Bishop. But at the end of episode two of this um, series, you learn who the Black Bishop is. And it certainly makes it very unlikely that that he is in any way connected to Snoke. Um, it's probably just, you know, that they maybe they intentionally made him look kind of like that as a, as a tease. Um, but anyway, you learn that this character is actually Lady Corvax's husband, who was was, um, you know, the, the person who she tried to save with the Bright Star. Uh, he tells you that he's caught between worlds, between life and death, um, which explains how you kind of see him appearing and, and disappearing um, in, in episode one. Um, he, he's supposedly helping Vader. That's the first time that you see him. You overhear their conversation where he appears to be helping Vader um, find the Bright Star. But in episode two, he reveals to you that he actually um, wants to... Um, wants to give the Bright Star back to the people so that his curse can be broken. You know, he can return to to death or whatever the afterlife is in the Star Wars universe and be at peace. And, um, you know, he can feel like his wife's um, great error, which destroyed their planet, can be undone. And kind of, you know, that debt can be repaid. So he pauses time to help you escape from this Rancor-like creature and get away from Vader to try to go find the Bright Star. Now, you do find the Bright Star, um, but lo and behold, Vader outsmarts you again. He finds you, and he takes it back, and basically leaves you for dead. Um, but you are able to, again, escape. There's really, there's a lot of, of um, escaping and coming together in the game. Um, so you're able to escape again, and uh, you you survive with the help of the priestess from the first episode, who comes back, basically, um, to, to help you, and to tell you that they need you to um, help them with an invasion of Vader's fortress to try to go in and take the Bright Star before Vader has the power to use it and to kill them all. And again, the reason why you are the one who can help out is because you're related to, to the lady and um, with that uh, bloodline, you're able to command her droid army, which she had assembled and which now is kind of just standing around <laughs> idle for centuries in her sanctum. Um, so that's where the second episode leaves off, is you um, being ready to take up that mantle. So I think overall, you know, the scale of the story is great. Um, it's a big story. It's got a um, an important story that, you know, lines up and connects with other parts of the Star Wars universe. 
in um, in exciting and interesting and new ways. And that's what I think really sets this game out apart from um, Secrets of the Empire, which, as I mentioned in the last podcast, was a great game, was lots of fun to play and a really cool experience. But, you know, didn't really offer anything new in terms of storytelling. I also mentioned that that Secrets of the Empire connected a little bit to this game with respect to the lightsaber, and I forgot to mention that here, but in the second episode when you're playing with the lightsaber, you're no longer using a random green lightsaber that you found in one of Vader's lairs, but you're actually using a, <clears throat> a, a different kind of a lightsaber. It has a crystal um, that's exposed, and so, um, you know, somehow the emitter kind of passes through the crystal um, in the open air. It crackles a little bit when it starts, um, and so it's definitely an old-fashioned kind of lightsaber. Also, you know, it was a lightsaber used by your ancestor who was not a Jedi. Um, I don't know if he was Force-sensitive or not, but definitely not a Jedi. So, um, you know, that that's also kind of different and interesting, and it relates to the proto-saber that you um, are searching for in Secrets of the Empire. So, like, that's the really the only connection between the stories. Um, and that, you know, this lightsaber that you find is how you are able to open up um, the final kind of lock to get the Bright Star. But, you know, I, I think that this this story, this game has more um, in one episode in terms of new kind of content than Secrets of the Empire does in the whole experience easily. And that's what I think really makes this such a wonderful experience is just the depth of the storytelling. And we haven't even gotten to the third episode yet. So um, anyway, on the next edition of the podcast, I'm going to finish off with episode three, and then I'm going to talk about Um, where I think Star Wars VR is headed next. So that'll be my pure speculation mode. Um, I'm going to be kind of reviewing some of the rumors I've seen online about um, what's out there, um, what people think is going to happen. You know, there have been some um, supposed leaks around, you know, just the fact that um, ILMX Lab is working on something. So we're going to jump into that discussion next week, as well as, like I said, finish up discussing the story for Vader Immortal. In the meantime, um, if you uh, have a VR headset, you know, go replay these games or download them if you haven't played them already. Um, If you're thinking about getting a VR headset, I would highly recommend it. Um, It definitely is wonderful. And, um, you know, while this is the only Star Wars game, there's plenty of other stuff you can do. Um, In addition to just plenty of games to play in general, um, you can also watch all of the Star Wars movies if you have them on um, Amazon Prime, for example. You can watch them in the VR headset and it looks like you're in a movie theater. It's really cool. It's like the best way to rewatch a Star Wars film even though the quality isn't nearly as good as watching it on like a high def TV, just the experience of it is really cool. Um, and there's also a lot of other games that I think Star Wars fans would like, things like Red Matter, where you know you go to um, one of the moons of Saturn and kind of an alternative, uh, f- I don't know, an alternative history or future where the Cold War was extended between the USSR and um, the USA, and uh, so you know that's a really cool game with with kind of you know, a lot of kind of space, um, space stuff happening. Uh, there's a lot of cool experiences for VR. So definitely if you haven't already invested in one, I would recommend it. And anyway, we'll, we'll talk about all of that on the next episode. So, um, tune in then. Um, and the last thing that I wanted to mention is if you are not already following me on Instagram, um, I'm going to be posting, uh, screenshots from, um, from Vader Immortal on there. I already have started with some and I'm going to be adding more. So you can find me on there at Tyra Podcast. That's it. Um, no spaces, no no punctuation, just Tyra Podcast. Um, and follow me on Instagram if you want to check out some of those uh, screenshots that I'm going to be posting from Vader Immortal.
Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you later in the week for our next episode.